I don't think Kurt Cobain ever did a cover of any police songs or whatever band that was. I don't think so, and I also don't know what band that is. As the days go by, we get a DMA strip. The only thing he's covered recently is the ceiling, am I right? Hey, it's Tuesday. December the 15th, 2020, and this is the 4th and Wrong Podcast. I'm your host, RJ. Joining me as always is Keith. Say hi, Keith. Hi, Keith. A mouthful of smoke, and are you coming are you from work? Yeah, everything's going. Everything's been going. Uh, yeah, we're, this is it. We're in it. I'm here. I'm here. Monday night was not as kind to you as it was to me, unfortunately. I'm really tired. I'm sorry. And I don't I just need more. night. <laughs> I'm stayed up all night crying. Oh. Have, have you, you, you rebuilt that part of the living room where you just cry and get handed beers? No, I was at work, so I was able to, like, figure it out while I was at work before I got home. I didn't have to go into my hidey hole and just be sad. You got all so the tears out of the games. walk-ins. Yeah, I got... Exactly. <laughs> oh, fuck. Dude. This one hurt, man. This one hurt a lot. It was a really good game that did not turn out the way that you wanted it to. Yeah, like... So... Parky! Yeah, fucking Cody Parky. Uh, Fuck you, Justin Tucker. Uh, (laughs) Fuck you, Lamar Jackson. Fucking nine carries for 124 yards. Yeah. Nine carries. It was yeah. He had like a fourteen-yard average or something. Yeah, he had a forty-four-yard scamper for a touchdown. He did also have that. Yeah, that doesn't help you. So, Browns lost some Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they lost by. Uh, so, essentially, they lost by two or by three. By three. Yeah. Um. You know, the score says five, but we there was two seconds left on the clock. Browns did some schoolyard bullshit at the end of the game to try to get something out of it uh, because there wasn't enough time to do the Hail Mary and then spike the ball kind of deal yeah, or do the Hail Mary and timeout kind of thing. It was literally two seconds left, so it's like shallow completion and then hook and lateral yourself through the end zone for a safety. Um, it was hard. And score yeah, it was yeah, it was a score gami. Forty-seven to forty-two is a score that's never existed in the NFL until, um, now. until now. Also, this is the first time since nineteen twenty-two where both teams combined for nine t- rushing touchdowns. Yes, I think I heard about that, and it was like one of two games ever, or something like that. Yeah, and those two games were from teams that literally don't exist anymore. Literally don't exist anymore. Uh, so the Browns got a slow start. The Ravens got the start that I expected. Um, 
you know, Lamar Jackson, I, I wouldn't say he's 100%, especially after he had to leave the game for a fair amount, um, but he's still, he's still so dynamic and he's so good. Um, and the Ravens staff have seemed fairly content especially with him coming back from the COVID list of just like letting Lamar be Lamar and stop forcing him to be a pocket guy. And we're, we're seeing the reason why he won the MVP last year, um, showing itself as the Ravens are obviously trying to make a push to stay playoff relevant. Cause right now they're out, they're out of the wildcard hunt or they're in the hunt, but they're out of the wildcard picture. Right. If the playoffs were to start tomorrow, uh, the Browns, even at nine and four with this loss still have the top wildcard seat. Um, but it hurt because, um, you know, especially after the Bills game, and we'll get to that, um, the Steelers going down two games, uh, this win would have made, this win would have done a bunch of things for Cleveland. Uh, it would have made it almost statistically improbable for us to miss the playoffs. Our playoff percentage from, you know, it wouldn't have been a clinch, mathematically but the the sports media simulations had it at a 99.8 percent if we would have won this game that's pretty that's good. that's essentially a clinch uh yeah. we could have lost out for the rest of the season and walked into the to the last seed in the wild card um because we have tiebreakers over indianapolis and the titans so pretty much whatever happens in the afc south between those two teams we have the tiebreaker because we swept the afc south this year um, it hurts because it would also put us only one game back from contending for the division. Now we're not out of the fight for the division, but the Steelers, like us, have kind of powder puff games until we play week 17. Um, so the Steelers going into the next two weeks, they play the Bengals, and then they play the Colts. Now they could drop that Colts game. Um, the, game. Yeah, the Colts is a trap game, depend, but it all depends on how Philip Rivers plays, and he's just so inconsistent this season. Um, and then they play us at the end of the week, or at the end of the season. So that end of the that end of the season game, that week seventeen game, could easily be for a divisional championship because we close out the season playing the Jets, the Giants, and the Steelers. Um. The Ravens at this point are kind of mathematically eliminated from taking the division. Pretty much, they would need to win out and then get a, t- and then you would have to like lose out. Yeah, cl- us and the Steelers would have to lose out, and the Ravens would have to win out in order for them to take a division spot or take the ch- division championship. Um, so, like, there's this was this was different for me. The reason why it hurt so much for me, and I'll kind of explain it, is this is the first time Cleveland's played meaningful football in 13 years, in December. Uh, we were in a very similar situation in 2007 when we went 10 and six, where the last two games of the season, or the last few games of the season, were almost play like win and you're in scenarios, mm-hmm. um, and we were playing meaningful football in December and, but this is the first time I've seen us play. I've been able to witness us play meaningful football in December with a team and a coaching staff that I think could shake some stuff up in the playoffs, like actually have some success in the playoffs. If we make the playoffs, um, 
and it was it was hard because I've seen growth in this football team, and you saw it on the scoreboard. I mean, what was the score the first time we played the Ravens this year? It was like thirty-eight to six. You yes. know, the not a six-point team game. Yeah. Um, that was this isn't the same Browns the Ravens played the first time. No, um, no, a hundred percent not. And and on top of it, I mean, the announcers even said it at the end of last night, which is win or lose this, this Browns team is not the same old Browns at this point. Yeah. And they're absolutely not the team that only put up six points at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Not a six point team. Not a com. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, I'm, I feel somber today, not only because I'm tired, but like, because I'm dealing with a crisis in my brain. Um, and we'll get a little into the analysis of the actual game, but I just want to express how I feel because, you know, the Cleveland Browns are important to me. Um, and it's, it's been really fun watching good football team, a good football team come out of Cleveland. It's nice, right? And yeah, it was really nice, but it was really hard watching that game in the way it did. It was heartbreaking. Uh, I could barely sleep that night. Yeah. I could barely sleep last night aside from being at work and, you know, having to run a call at four in the morning and stuff like it was it was very difficult to settle myself down i was pacing in the in the day room of the station for hours while the game was still on um you know but that that's how good of a game it was i mm-hmm. couldn't stay in my seat um you know the ravens got up quick early and baker mayfield saddled up the horse and they fucking they brought it back and it turned into a fucking shootout and a good one um, that game should have been over about three times in the last two minutes. Right, and that's that's the fight that Cleveland's been missing over the years, is we get down multiple scores, and essentially the game's over. Statistically, the game's over. Um, but not this season. And we've seen it time, we've seen it happen before. We've gotten some, some miracle wins, you know, one including you know Cincinnati you know last second pass the Donovan people Jones to sweep the Cincinnati series uh which is a team that we really shouldn't have kept that close with but then to also have such a strong fight against a team like the Ravens who yes have been on a slide but they also had 33 players on the COVID list yeah 33 on an active roster of 50 59 how much is the active roster now three 53 they had so more than two th- or two-thirds of their roster was yeah. on the injured reserve they were digging deep into that uh into that practice <laughs> squad so yeah they let a couple of games slide um but the ravens especially this roster they have they play good football in december and uh it was our defense is was i mean they were able to pick our front four did as much as they could. They were able to peak on a pick on a weak secondary, um, which is how you beat the Browns. Uh, our secondary is weak right now, and it got weaker because of this game. Um, you know, because Andrew Sandeo's out with a concussion now. Um, so literally, it's arguably, off the bum what, onto the IR. <laughs> yeah. So what some people would consider the weakest part of our secondary, uh, which is safety depth, um, just got weaker. Um, so it was it was very hard it was very hard to watch um towards the end uh because of the comeback that was made for it to end on a 55 yard justin tucker fucking field goal after lamar jackson comes back from cramps in the locker room after an iv cramps 
cramps. Yeah. He was shitting goes, himself. Come on. Let's just ride, <laughs> ride the narrative. Yeah. Uh, goes back to the locker room, gets an IV. Uh, backup quarterback goes down right at the two-minute warning, and Lamar Jackson comes out like a fucking, like all the media kept saying, he came out like a superhero. Yeah. And then those last two drives that the Ravens had, they played lights out. I mean, um, Lamar came back and was just like, I'm the MVP, and this is why. Right. You know, they played, uh, you know, the Ravens deserved to win that game. And the I can say that because of how, even though we lost, how much fun I had watching and how hard both teams fought for that win. Um, I'm not a big fan of moral victories. Um, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to sit back and go, hey, the Browns may not have won, but at least they proved to the rest of the league that they're legit. I'm not going to sit here and say that. Because in order to prove to the rest of the league that you're actually legit, these are the games that you need to win. Because these are the games you're going to see in the playoffs. Yeah. When we go to the playoffs this year, these are the games that we're going to have. These are the teams we're going to play. We're going to play the Titans. We We could play the Titans. We could play the Ravens. We could play the Bills, you know. These are the these are the teams we're gonna have to play. They're good football teams. They're gonna be hard fought games. Pr- probably a lot of scoring. Um, so I see what people are trying to do, which is like, hey, the Browns, you know, took you know, a scored twenty two points in the fourth quarter to take a one point lead for the Ravens to answer back, then for the Browns to answer back, for the Ravens to have to come pretty much have a miracle drive to get in field goal range. The Browns don't do that, but they did it this year, and that proves something. And to me, like, I, I get what you're trying to do, but, it, like, it's... It's... There's still so much to improve on that I gotta keep my blinders on, because... Mm-hmm. Because we have a we have an eye on a prize this season. We're we're playing for something, and losing games hurts our ability to capture that thing. So like there is no moral victory. We lost. Losing a football game is losing a football game, you know. And going into the last three games of the season, we can't lose. You know, we we want seeding in the NFL. We want seeding in the playoffs. We don't want to be a wild card team. I prefer to have a to be hosting a, a fucking playoff game. Oh, but if we if if we are going to be uh, baby steps, Listen, baby steps. The, the bills the bills are just getting used to it too. All right. Sometimes you just got to get in <laughs> yeah. to feel good about it. But you know. oh sure, yeah. And and don't get me wrong. I'm not going to detract from anything as far as the success we've had this year. And if we make it to the playoffs, you know that's all. That, dude, the playoffs for the Browns have been on my Christmas list since 2002. Okay, but Santa's a prick. Uh, and I don't know. I pissed on him or something. But like. It's it's like the video said it's 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 more it's statistically less likely for a team to be this bad than to just occasionally be decent. Mm-hmm. Um so like I'm not going to take anything away but when a game is this close against a division rival who swept us this season but didn't sweep us last season. Um in in games that have significant playoff implications, mm-hmm. there is no moral victory because at the end of the day, 
you win the game or you lose the game. Yeah, I was I was gonna say like I'm definitely empathetic to your uh, loss, especially after the Hale Murray. But mm-hmm. ours was not a divisional loss. It wasn't even like a conference loss. So yeah. it it hits much less. But I mean, I still would have taken that win. I'd love to be eleven and two right now, also, and be, and be and be laughing at the Steelers in second place and going, "Come on, <laughs> Mahomes, just slip, baby, just one more time." It was one more time. Except they've the, got a tiebreaker uh, over us, but you know, nah, it's semantics. Slip um, two more times. Yeah, slip t- slip a lot. Slip for the rest <laughs> of the season. Um, you know, so it's yeah, it's 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 always different when it's a divisional rival, especially Baltimore. Like as much as I hate Pittsburgh, like I hate Baltimore. Like Baltimore is like the sworn rival of the Browns, but like all Browns fans know why Baltimore is Baltimore and why we hate Baltimore. Mm. Um, and to be swept by Baltimore. Um, it hurts, especially with how good the team is this year. Um, but going into the game itself, uh, saw some really good performances again from Donovan Peoples-Jones. That dude impresses me every week. He's, he's um, turning it on at the right time, yeah, as it were. And absolutely. And then uh, Kareem Hunt being a safety valve for Baker is is very important, um, especially with Kareem Hunt's ability to you know to to get them yak yards. Uh, I felt like the running game was a little underutilized, but the way Baker was playing in the second half of that football t- that football game, like, uh, but did they really need the running game like they normally do? Was, you know, on on one <laughs> hand, it's like was it underutilized? Like maybe the yards weren't all there. You still got four rushing touchdowns, so it was yeah. definitely doing something. Absolutely, and I'm I'm a firm believer of the hot hand. You know, it's like a three point shooter in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know. Kick it out to the hot hand. Uh, aside from aside from uh, Baker's interception, which was just straight up a bad read, um, and that interception was very important to the outcome of the game. Uh, you know, Baker, especially in that second half, crawling back into the game, like Baker played lights out. Yeah, um, and that's Baker is continuously, like I said, after those weather games where he was stagnant. You know, this was Baker Mayfield's first interception in 187 attempts. It was a lot. Yeah. It's the longest active streak in the NFL. The last five games he hadn't thrown an interception or something yep. like that. So, yep, the first six games of the season, Baker was ten touchdowns and six interceptions. Not great. Not bad, but not great. The last seven games of the season. He had 13 touchdowns and two interceptions. The discrepancy in his QBR is almost 20 points mm-hmm. in those two periods of time. His completion percentage is almost 15% in that period of time. Uh, Baker is, over the past five weeks of football, Baker statistically is one of the, is the top five quarterback in the league. It's consistency you know we've used that word before describing baker mayfield as getting consistency out of him but especially after those weather games where he was able to throw the ball again mm-hmm. you know these last three games we've gotten from baker mayfield have been really good football games you know in jacksonville 19 for 29 250 yards two touchdowns in tennessee 25 for 33 334 yards four touchdowns baltimore 28 for uh, 47 uh, 343 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. So, like, the last three games, last three games had fucking 900 yards passing, fucking 
uh, eight touchdowns and one interception. It it's starting to get back to, you know, Baker showing the league and showing us the fans and showing the team like why we picked him number one overall. Mm-hmm. And the more comfortable he's getting in the system, and the more comfortable Kevin Stefanski is with his play calling, um, you're seeing you're seeing him let let you know letting the leash out a little bit when it comes to the passing game um and this was another example of that like follow he's following the hot hand uh a lot of people a lot of people have issues with the fact that like we rely so much heavy on like the bootleg and the play action mm-hmm. um because they feel like kevin stefanski is having to scheme around baker mayfield but we could say the same thing about Jared Goff, who's also better on the move True. when the pocket when the pocket's being moved. I also I also kind of felt like in this most recent game they didn't really rely on that because I feel like at least from what I caught, which was basically the last minute of the mm-hmm. second quarter and the second mm-hmm. half of the game, um, yeah. like to keep like the Browns kind of had to get back into it and then like keep going and i felt like they went five wide and just left baker to fucking get back there and just deal like Mm -hmm. a lot more than trying to hide stuff with play action this time around and you know i didn't even i didn't even feel like i saw that many like jet sweeps or anything to try and just like get people moving no it was just like put receivers out there Mm -hmm. let them run routes and just let baker deal yeah late in the game really the only motion was from kareem hunt and that was either putting them in the backfield as an extra blocker if they were picking up on a blitz or, you know, kicking them out into the slot as yeah. another receiving option. Like, that's really the only emotion we saw. Like, Baker Mayfield was very much standing in the pocket in clean pockets, too. Our offensive line has been playing out of their fucking minds. Uh, clean pockets and fucking delivering some delivering some throws. Um, you know, uh, Sean McVay has built an entire offense around Jared Goff's ability to roll out and um use that motion to his advantage and like keep a pocket clean for him when they're not in the play action and like just on time passes anticipatory passes anticipatory throws um and it was never a problem for him because they went to the super bowl but baker mayfield's number one overall draft pick coming off of two losing seasons and a regression last season so like the the uh the magnifying glasses on him you know so like Mm -hmm you got to keep the blinders on when it comes to you know the media like that because they want to they want to create the narrative Uh, and the narrative i'm seeing out of baker mayfield this season unequivocally is a a serviceable if not good starting quarterback you know he has 2700 yards 23 touchdowns eight picks and an average qbr of 72 in his third season, his first season with these coaching staff. So as far as Baker Mayfield's concerned, I'm not worried. But let's talk about that pick real quick. The Ravens do this thing that you have to scheme for. The Ravens, if you watch their defensive packages, they show blitz every play. Oh, I was going to say they they put 15 men on the field, but Baker got them on that one. (laughs) Um, My Telestrator doesn't go to 15. No, it does not. Uh, yeah, they, they, they pretty much show blitz every play mm. and you don't know who's going to drop into coverage. All you, you see the secondary, you see the safeties. Uh, but when it comes to the linebackers and the front seven, you don't know who's dropping into coverage. Uh, the defensive ends will drop into coverage. The outside linebackers are dropping the coverage. 
the inside linebackers blitz. They'll bring five. They'll bring three. They'll drop everybody into coverage. They do all these weird fucking things out of the same base set. And pretty much the read was, uh, you know, number 54. I can't remember his names, but it was Ravens linebacker. He was on the outside edge. Ball was snapped. He went into the went into the left tackle like he was going to go in for a pass rush, and then bounced bounced out to like a like a shallow hook zone. Mm. And Baker just kept the ball a little too far inside, trying to get it to Hollywood. Hollywood was running out. We're out. And uh, Baker kept the ball a little too tight inside, and he was able to pop it up and intercept it, which put him at the one-yard line. So J.K. Dobbins, next play, pounds it in because that dude's really hard to stop. Yep. Um, that interception had a lot more implications than, like, a, a lot of people were like, uh, well, why didn't Stefanski ice the kicker at the end of the game? You know, you could you could make that argument. Um, I did. You could also make you could also make the argument that it's Justin Tucker, literally the most accurate kicker in the history of the entire league. That's why you still um, make him do it twice. Still I, make him do it twice, but um, I also I also am a firm believer of the reverse icing, though. Mm-hmm. You don't ice them because you know that's what they expect. So now the kicker thinks he's getting a he's getting a practice kick, and he shanks the shit out of it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, I yeah, you're you're trying to you're trying to call you know rock on the paper that's going to become scissors. Like I understand where your head's at. I just figure you make them. It's Cleveland. Make them kick it again. You'll never get that same windage twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Is. As much as I was like, well, he could have at least tried to ice him, that interception had a lot more implication than that kick did. Yeah. Did not icing that guy. Because that allowed, that allowed, um, you know, that allowed Baltimore to go up 21-7 or 21-14 or something like that. Like, it 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 put a significant gap um, right before uh, right before the third quarter where we had to start playing comeback ball. Yeah. Um, and it was just a bad read. It's... it's a bad read and a worse pass. You know, if you are going to throw it into a dropping linebacker, you got to put it outside where they can't get to it because at least if your receiver doesn't get it, the only thing that the only place the ball's going is to the sideline, you know. Um, but he was throwing to his left, so the ball tends to trail a little inside when you go to your left versus to your right. So I can understand how it happened, but that ball is a ball that you know that ball is a ball that really sh- we really wish we had back because um, it had serious implications to the, out- um, to the outcome of the game. Once again, one of our receivers is the best uh, quarterback in our team. Uh, had a little uh, trickery early in the game, first drive. Baker Mayfield uh, throws a well, it's considered a a toss because it was behind him, um, but throws a screen to uh jarvis landry and jarvis landry taps it up jarvis landry taps it up like he's about to throw it downfield and then he turns around and throws it to cream hunt who's on the opposite sideline and then cream hunt runs for 12 yards for a first down and this is the second week in a row where jarvis landry's had a completion he's still perfect for the season uh it's also the second reason or the second week in a row where jarvis landry's had a completion like right before he got blew the fuck up (laughs) So uh, Baker Mayfield spreading the hits to his receivers now, um, but at least last week he was able to get the rough in the passer call on it. 
Oh, oh, you mean like as he was throwing it, he got As he was up. throwing, Jarvis Landry got lit the fuck up. Gotcha. This week and last week. Not like uh, a couple players later, Baker threw him into a bad route. No, no, okay. no, no, no. They, they hit his ass gotcha. while he was throwing the ball. Um, so Baker somehow conning his receivers into taking hits for him. Yeah. Uh, nice to see. Uh, you know, Higgins got involved. Uh, Nick Chubb got involved. Uh, Nick Chubb with two rushing touchdowns, uh, Kareem Hunt with one, Baker with one. Baker had a really nice scramble drill in the red zone uh, where – I texted uh, you afterwards. I said, just run with it, boy. <laughs> yep. Uh, ball snap pocket was relatively clean, but nobody could get open. So when the pocket started closing in, he found a gap uh, to roll out. As he was rolling out, he was still looking downfield. And then in the back of his head, I guess he was just like, why not me? Yeah, he was only like he was only eight yards out, and your wide receivers were like already throwing. They picks, already like, about yeah. They were already in the box out. Like they were already like just run it, Baker. Yeah, just Baker's, yeah. Right why here. not? So he runs in and like baseball slides to the end zone. It was pretty good. It was it was a nice feel good moment. I was definitely sitting there like you better not throw this. Just I like me, I could get that in there. Right. Uh, nobody's gonna close fast enough. It's fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh. So it, a lot of fireworks, in especially in that second half, it became very much back and forth. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson came out, and did Lamar Jackson's thing. Um, on the Browns converted, got a huge two point conversion. I'm of the same mindset uh, that most coaches are nowadays in a stats driven league. It's best to go for the two point conversion earlier in the game than later, um, because uh, statistically, you're more likely to get it when you don't need it. Um, yeah weird stat but it's true because uh something along the lines of like psychological pressure of the defense to stop the two-point conversion blah 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 blah. you can be a little more creative with your offense when there's not as much pressure so you're more willing to try a play that has less like a less likely chance to succeed but a less likely chance the defense gonna think you're gonna do that play yeah um you know stuff like that uh missed missed a really good ball into the end zone um right before that baker scramble it was third down baker uh put a decent ball into the back of the end zone nice and high for david and joku went right into his hands just outside or right through his hands just outside of his catch radius uh the ball was where it needed to be it was just the wrong person to throw it to uh Njoku's tall he's athletic uh, it was literally just a smidge but then the next play obviously baker mayfield scrambles it in for a touchdown so uh, all is null um and Njoku and had then, at least one really nice sideline catch. Yeah, and I was about to say, and, and Njoku has, for the most part, stepped up pretty well since Austin Hooper's been injured. Uh, him and Harrison Bryant are doing their jobs. Um, you know, we we require a lot of blocking out of our tight ends, uh, so they m- might not get the numbers that you're used to seeing out of, like, your Travis Kelsey types. Right. But, but they do operate as, you know, big-bodied safety valves for Baker just as much as Kareem Hunt does. Listen, Travis Kelsey might lead the league in receiving this year, so it's kind of, you know, <laughs> one would say it's impossible to do what Travis Kelsey does unless you're Travis Kelsey. Uh, that or, is fair. Or George Kittle, but, we you know, he's out, so. A little bit. Uh, so towards the end of the game, uh, Ravens went for a two-point conversion to pretty much take their two points back that we got on our two-point conversion. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. Nothing. Yeah. So what? Didn't they miss that one? No, they got it. Oh, they missed a they missed a kicked extra point later on. Yeah, they missed an extra point. Okay. Um, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I'm writing this version did, where Cleveland wins. 
that'd make me feel better. Um, uh, J.K. Dobbins um, did his best Marshawn Lynch impression. Uh, bounced out to the to the C, the left C side, um, and dropped a shoulder into a rapidly clo- closing Andrew Sandejo, mm-hmm. uh, who was literally the only defender that had a shot to stop him from getting in. And J.K. Dobbins like hit that man. Uh, Sandejo kind of put himself in danger, but obviously being the only tackler and trying to keep somebody out of the end zone, you want to put as much force into it as possible just to push him back away from the goal line. Kind of bounced off. He kind of bounced off of him like a ping pong ball. Um, did, did Dobbins hit him so hard he knocked him off your bum list? Uh, he yeah. Yeah, just purely out of sympathy because yeah. now he's on concussion <laughs> protocol because he literally almost knocked he literally almost got knocked unconscious. Um, so T's and P's to Andrew Sandejo. Uh, I'm sure whenever you come back for the playoffs, uh, you're going to be right back on my bum list. So don't get excited. J.K. Dobbins shortly after the game tweeted something along the lines of like, "If you're going to try to hit me, make sure you wear your big boy pants." And then he got roasted on Twitter because he was <laughs> unaware that Andrew Sandejo got a concussion. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, of course, um, J.K. Dobbins is from Cleveland, so he, there's a lot of people that know him and like him in the area and was just like, yo, dog. This uh, ain't the one. That That's that's a bad look. So he deleted his tweet and then, you know, kind of halfway apologized, but basically was like, hey, I was just talking shit. I got a lot of respect for the guy. I hope he feels better. Um, so fair enough. Good for you, J.K. Dobbins. I hope he uh, remembers that hit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he will. That's a double uh, meaning. Yeah, while well, he's uh, on the sidelines for the next two uh, minimum two weeks. That's a threat, uh, and also a commentary on that one Will Smith movie. Uh, I can't. I don't know what movie you're talking about. Uh, wasn't it just called like Concussion or the Protocol? Oh or... yeah, 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 the Protocol or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I never watched that movie. Um, Neither did I. But you know, yeah. Uh, another I hear thing the dog was... dies at the end. So what? I hear the dog dies at the end. Oh, so oh, wait, that's the uh, other Will Smith movie. Another thing is uh, fumbles. We had five of them. Luckily, we didn't lose any of them. Wow. But, uh, yo, made made my butt squeeze a little bit. Yeah, that's too many. Uh, yeah, Rashad Higgins had three. Landry had two. Baker had one. Kareem Hunt had one. We recovered all of them. Was that all in the first half? Because I don't remember seeing. Yeah, they were mostly in the first half. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the Ravens, man, they, they are good at turning, making turn. And it, it was all like like a defender getting in there and punching the ball out. It was like mm. good plays from the defender. Um, uh, Rashad Higgins put a couple on the ground that he was able to recover and other people were able to recover. Uh, Baker Mayfield had a scramble uh, where like he got stripped as he scrambled and it like kicked itself out of bounds. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, and then like towards the end of the game, there was this huge momentum shift because, you know, Lamar Jackson started dealing with his uh, cramps. Oh. And had to go to the locker room because he just couldn't fucking run. And that's what you need Lamar Jackson to do sometimes. Uh, and in that time frame, they had uh, Trace McSorley out there because RG3 is injured. Yeah. Go figure. Um, and Trace McSorley was very ineffective, which allowed us to have a huge swing of momentum and put ourselves in prime position to win the game. And then the last time we scored... Uh, to t- so we scored to take a one point lead and then they scored back and then tied it up. And then we, or, and then we scored back and to tie it up. And the only thing I could think of after we got that last score was there's too much time on the clock. 
yeah it's too it much was, time it was like 42 seconds and it's like somehow yeah there's it's, that's too much time justin tucker's too good and lamar jackson's coming back because trace mcsorley died yeah um or he was already back at that point because he had already been back for the drive prior to this um so it's like that's that's too much time and it it went about exactly as you would expect. They went to their safety valve receivers just to chip yardage away until they got within Justin Tucker's range, and with seven seconds left, he punches it through for the win. Yep. From um, 55. 55 yards. 90.8% career field goal kicker. It's because Justin uh, Tucker is probably the best kicker in the league right now. Probably. He's a future Hall of Famer yeah. as a place kicker. Uh the drive before that we had a blown coverage that gave them that touchdown because so we were playing we were kind of playing like a contained man type thing because yeah. obviously Lamar Jackson's running all over the damn place. Uh Lamar rolls out to the right, which keeps the secondary's eyes downfield. A linebacker and a cornerback kept their eyes downfield on Lamar, but they weren't playing they weren't paying attention to their level. Uh-huh. And they ran into each other, pretty much yes. picked each other. Right, yeah. And and, and, just... and that's when Hollywood Brown pretty much broke, you know, had five yards of separation on the post at, at that point. And Lamar Jackson, being Lamar Jackson, decent field vision, stops his scramble and just pops it over to him and runs it in for an easy touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and that kind, of, that kind of reestablished the momentum for the Ravens, uh, and they carried that momentum into the next drive. After, you know, our, I mean, Baker, the next drive, came out and marched down you know 75 yards for a touchdown in 48 seconds but that was too much time yeah you know um they i'm glad we scored quick too fast yeah yeah i'm glad they scored quick but i didn't want them to score that quick baker baker you're cooking don't take it out of the oven so soon though yeah right give us some time gotta let it rest yeah um but overall uh easily game of the year not just for me because i'm a browns fan but to a lot of people um very entertaining football uh heartbreaking um but i'm undeterred no moral victories but i'm undeterred uh 11 11 11 and 5 is a possible is a likelihood 12 and 4 is a possibility mm. and we're still not out of it for the division and we still have a very, very, very high chance of making a wild card. And yeah. that's the most I've been able to say about the Browns since the early 2000s. Yeah, you're definitely going to need some stuff to fall your way if you're going to suddenly steal the division. But I I would be I would be more shocked uh, if the Browns did not still make the playoffs uh, than if they were knocked out. Yeah, it's... Or than if they it, weren't knocked out. Right. It's Like I said, it's not a... It's not an old school clinch, but it's still very statistically likely. But yeah. there's still games to be played. But hey, Miami did you a solid. Miami did us a solid. Thank you, Miami. Um, keep keep those other wild card teams away from us. Uh, uh, we play the Giants next week. Uh, the Giants could be a trap game. So shouldn't be, but, but it could be. But it shouldn't be, but it could be. I expect to win that game. Uh, I've already told Greg that if we lose to the Jets, I will play in traffic. <laughs> and. Um, then we close out the season against the Steelers, who have been exposed in the recent weeks. Uh, so there is there is certainly a possibility that we can run the table and sh- shake up the AFC North a little bit, if not the playoffs in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. 
word. Well, I th- I think that was a solid, uh, dense breakdown of <laughs> that game and your feelings on it. Yeah, this was it's a very emotional one for mm-hmm. me this week. A very special episode. A very special episode. You know what else is special though? Was that? Uh, the Bills doing their part. Yeah, fuck and the teaching Steelers. them they weren't that good. <laughs> yeah, teaching them dirty Steelers <laughs> what tell, it's like. Tell you what for with no fans in the stands. Hell fuck. yeah, brother. You, you know what it was for a long time though? What's that? Real boring and a lot of defense. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um I was at work for this game as well. Um but I wasn't running calls, I just stopped watching. Yeah. Because I knew you would. So tell me about it. What happened? Okay, let me let me read you the first quarter, and let me see if you can notice a pattern in how many plays uh, there were. Okay. So first quarter, three plays, three plays, four plays, four plays, three plays, three plays, eight plays, five plays. There were eight drives in the first quarter. Uh-huh. There are sometimes games where there are only eight drives. Uh, this was a lot of uh, us coming out and me being impressed with us stopping Big Ben from really getting anything get rolling and then just watching the offensive line get completely dominated. <laughs> like, just play after play after... Josh was running for his fucking life for most of this game until we Only started... Sec. Yeah, until well, until we started making adjustments in the second half. Sure. Now, granted, we had one guy who was stopping TJ Watt, but they were coming right up the middle at us, uh, mm-hmm. and they, they did not care. Um for the middle of our line. Mitch Morris was getting completely bullied. Uh, Honestly, us shifting John Feliciano from right guard to center was one of the smarter things we did while Mitch was out for a while. But, holy shit. It was, uh... Yeah, Cameron... No, no, not Cameron Hayward. Who's the other guy? Oh, maybe it was Hayward. Their their big defensive tackle. Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like... Like like, like a child, like a child who's like outgrowing his first set of clothes and he's just bopping <laughs> over fucking blocks. He was like, no, get out. Stop it. These are my toys. I want the football. And they damn near took it a lot, um, which is why it's nice to have a young, more mobile Big Ben uh, on your team. Yeah. Um, but it was... It was a lot of ineffective football and a lot of defense to begin with. Um, and basically, I felt very similar to how I felt uh, against the 49ers early in this game, where mm-hmm. the Steelers finally got on the board, and I went, okay, little little concerned at this point. Not going to lie. This is right. a problem. Uh, and then we proceeded to... Uh, after they scored a touchdown in three plays, again, uh-huh. maybe you're seeing a trend here. I'm seeing a little bit of a trend, yes. <laughs> uh, we punted, they punted, both also three plays, and we finally got a field goal. 
And as the second half is winding down, Teron Johnson comes in with maybe the biggest momentum changer I've seen all season in picking off a pass to Juju Smith-Schuster and taking it back to the house on Big Ben, uh, putting us up nine to nine to seven because we also miss extra points. Thanks, <laughs> thank, thanks, Tyler Bass. Um, was was he on the left hash? I assume so. It was an extra point. He gets to pick where he was. If he wasn't there, then that's I'm disappointed. Du- it's doubly on him. <laughs> um, but so that's that's basically my summation of the first half. Was it was a defensive route? Uh, it feels. Let me let me get into that a little bit. I guess. Okay. It feels really good to have the Bills' defense back. Yeah, I saw your uh, you saw your status on Facebook. <laughs> it's like like the real Bills defense that like yeah. gets stops and takeaways and can like stop the run. Now, granted, um, one huge huge advantage that Pittsburgh gives us uh, that is not personnel related uh, at all is the fact mm-hmm. that they don't run any fucking play action. Right. So knowing that if if it looks like he's getting handed the ball. James Conner's getting handed the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, we stopped people up the A-gap, kind of, this game. Uh, they were only getting three to four yards as opposed right. to six to eight. Right. So, baby steps. Baby steps. Uh, that's improvement. <laughs> that's improvement. You're only getting half of what you were getting before. you only probably get a first down instead of definitely getting it. But... I mean, we were out there. We were we were locking up receivers. We were getting some pressure. We got the first sack on Big Ben in like fucking forever because he was just not going down. Like Baker yeah. was at Baker was at like 180 attempts. Big Ben was at like 270 or something without taking a sack. Like absurd. Um, yeah, he can still do that pretty well. Yeah, and he was—he definitely at one point like put a hand out and just kind of like kept a guy back and then like <laughs> loaf of breaded it a little bit. Um, but you know, we were able to—we were able to actually get some pressure, which felt nice. Except the Steelers' offensive line apparently was down to their last lineman, literally. Uh, so if one more guy had been hurt, they'd be playing tight ends at left tackle or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so got a little bit of help there. I'm not saying this, you know, was a perfect game, but we came in and we actually locked down and not in a you're getting yards on us and we're stopping you just outside of field goal range and not you're getting yards on us and then kicking field goals like you're getting three to six plays and that's going to be it. And then you're kicking it to us, right? Uh, which felt good. And then the second half happened. And in the second half, we were reminded of a man who is second or third in the league in receiving yards and first in receptions. And that man's name is Stefan Diggs because Stefan Diggs got in the game and just like, I don't know what the game plan was. I don't know if the game plan was just do some schoolyard bullshit because Stefan, I swear to God stopped running routes and was just like, dude, I'm just going to find the soft spot. Yeah. Just spot, find the spot in the zone and, and Josh Allen to take care of the rest. Like and then it's like boom and then it's yards after catch just yep. every single time and one of the times mm-hmm. he was able to take it in um, from like you know fifteen or twenty yards out but like he was finding spots where he had like three to seven yards of separation from people 
And mm-hmm. on some of these plays, he was like literally just like jogging to the sideline by the end of it. So he like wasn't taking hits, was still getting a fuck ton of yards, and was just like, I'm open. I'm open again. Yeah. I'm open again. And like quietly out of nowhere, because I think he had like two receptions in the first half total, mm-hmm. um, quietly put together like a 130 yard game. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, Colt Beasley was kind of quiet. Um, didn't really get a whole lot of yards. I don't know what it is. Yeah, 41, like not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabe Davis also didn't have a lot, but and also had like a couple of drops, um, mm-hmm. which was not great. But he got open uh, in the end zone, and Josh threw a little, little shoulder fake uh, to pull one of the defenders down and then just like – not not quite a laser not not it's it's one of those it's one of those things only Josh can do where it's like finesse but at like 90 miles an hour yeah <laughs> it's like the bullet lob yeah where he's just like i'm 6 foot 5 and i release at about you know 8 foot so right. by the time it gets it'll be fine it, it'll get over um but yeah it was it was the offense not doing a whole lot um getting stopped a lot like mm-hmm. we were able to start grinding out yards in the running game you know towards the end of it so mm-hmm. you know Zach Moss got a little bit I still think Devin Singletary looks better like like we we've been using Zach Moss now kind of as the f- number 1 running back but yeah. whenever Singletary gets in there he's like he's the more patient guy he's the one bouncing around behind the lineman mm-hmm. to find the hole and I still feel like he's being more productive, but it feels like we're going to Zach Moss more. I don't understand it. It's like the one thing that's kind of baffling me about like McDermott's personnel choices right now. Cause like sure. most of the time shit makes sense to me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's, they've drafted the right guys. They've got the right guys in the right spots. Like, you know, Dawson Knox is clearly our number one tight end at this point. So he's kind of mm-hmm. trending in the right direction. Our wide receiver core is completely figured out at this point. Like, but it's this space in the backfield where it's like, Zach Moss is not Nick Chubb. He's just yeah. not. Yeah, like, and we've talked about it before, like, with uh, you, like, talking about patience, uh, looking for the gap and stuff and the difference running style between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Like, we've talked about it before with Zach Moss, uh, you know, attributing his game to Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, you're 5'9", dude. Like, you're 200 pounds, yep. you know. You're you're not Marshawn Lynch, you know. The reason why running back running backs like you do well when you're patient, and you can still drop a shoulder on somebody. You know, you can run physically, but you're not gonna you're not gonna punch through you know 300 pound defensive tackles like like a prototypical power back would. Uh, you know that patience will kind of take you a long way. Um, but uh, my only question is like maybe. Maybe Zach Moss strikes the offense as more of like a pure runner. So they're trying to keep Devin Singletary fresh as a change of pace slash receiving back. It's possible. Um, But that would really be the only thing that I would, you know, like it's it's the only reason why I would would assume you're using your superior running back in that fashion. Um, But it's not quite the same as like having a Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt kind of thing where you know Nick Chubbs are are every down workhorse and then we have Kareem Hunt as a change of pace back 
Well, you it's, know. it's funny you make that comparison because it's kind of like the exact roles that they fit into. It's just that the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt running back duo is clearly superior to the Zach Moss, Devin Singletary running back duo. <laughs> as much as I, as much as I think, you know, Zach Moss is a nice kid and Devin Singletary shifty. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Kareem Hunt would still be our number one running back if he suddenly showed up on the Bills roster today. Yeah, and I and I think Devin Singletary is a he's a he's a really good running back. I do, yeah. uh, but um, it's not those two. It's not those two, and I don't think either Zach Moss nor Devin Singletary really have the the body. Like they don't have the frame. They they don't. They're to, they're both they're both kind of tiny. Like mm-hmm. they're both the tiny stocky thing. Zach Moss just likes to put his head down a little bit more, whereas Singletary likes to bounce it. But mm. the other thing that they're both missing is neither one of them has, like, a crazy top gear or anything. Okay. So they're not going to ever be home run hitters. Right. So even if you do bounce out into some space, they're not going to separate. I yeah. the, the thing about Singletary is I think he's consistently good for 20 yards. He's never going to get that 80-yard touchdown. Gotcha. Unless we do something stupid where he's, like, on the left side with three blockers in front of him and, like, you know, it's smoke throwing him a touchdown pass or something. Right. Well, at least they weren't as quiet as James Conner. Yeah. Yeah. James Conner, we shut down, like, pretty well. Um, I was I was happy about our run defense, but the Steelers just also don't run it that much. So, like, once once we got a little bit of a lead, we were kind of able to bully them into – just never thinking that running it was a good idea again. Yeah. Um, and one thing I really want to point out, so Josh did not have impressive stats this game. Like, he threw for one and a half Cam Newtons. Um, so, you know, it was... Cam Newton doesn't even do that anymore. Yeah, he doesn't even do that. But if you take... You can you can see the split. This was a graphic I sent to you. We're in the first half versus the second half. Um, Josh was throwing from 43% completions to 70%. He threw for 76 yards in the first half, 162 in the second. Definitely a tale of two halves. Like, his interception came in the first, his two touchdowns came in the second. So, once, again, once Diggs started getting hot and once that offense figured out, hey, maybe we double-team this guy in the middle who's fucking everything up, um, (laughs) started to work a little bit better. Um, but yeah, that's generally my analysis. I was confident going into this game that we could win it. Uh, you know, home field advantage isn't really a thing. I'll be honest. I'm starting to, I'm starting to have a thought at this point that Uh maybe the person who's benefiting the most from not having fans in the stands and having time to mature and build chemistry is Josh Allen. I think, I think having a year where every game is basically neutral ground yeah. is is really good for him. And, no and pressure. having a second year with Cole Beasley and Smoke, having a first year with Stefan Diggs, and not having the entire crowd go completely ballistic every time he makes a big play or something right. crazy. Because what we're not seeing is we're not seeing hero ball Josh we're not seeing uh, what, what they like to say on Good Morning Football. We're not seeing Sugar Rush uh, Josh, like, out here just doing dumb shit. It's, it's controlled. It's calculated. It's perceptive. It's, it's, you know, following his progressions. It's all of the good stuff. And none of the, yo, let's just do some buck wild shit. <laughs> 
Like he Let's he just ran full fucking send. Yeah, he ran. He tried to run for a first down on like a third and fifteen and got like half of it and was going mm-hmm. forward to try and get the yardage, but that's the closest to like something real dumb he's done in a while. So, mm-hmm. I I honestly think like taking that element away is helping Josh's game right now because it it also probably lets him stay in his head and like continue to focus on his mechanics and shit you know as he's still getting all that worked out with his new throwing motion so mm-hmm. it also means that i think uh the person who's going to receive the most benefit from fans coming back is also going to be josh later on when he's had time to adapt and have all the good shit happen because like stefan diggs is going to get a fucking parade the first time he catches a touchdown with fans in the stands they're just going to stop the game they're going to go down allen street downtown and uh-huh. it's and and then we can go back to the game afterwards we'll get like <laughs> negative 50 yards but tyler bass will still somehow hit that extra point because he's maybe got the biggest leg in the league because that's what we do you got a big arm we're taking you you got a big leg we're taking you all we need is a big brain on somebody to stop challenging all these plays sean mcdermott no he's been fine this year was there any uh questionable challenges in this game no no, okay. everything everything was pretty solid in this game. Again, there was there was so little going on in the entire first half. There wasn't even anything to challenge because people just weren't producing anything. Right. Yeah, I dug up uh, interesting stats while you were talking. Um, so, both teams punted to combine thirteen times for a combined punting yards of five hundred and forty-six. That's a, yeah. That sounds. About that is right. more production than both offenses combined. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet think, you the majority of that, when it came comes to the Bills, was the first half. Yeah. I think we had nine... How do you say your punter's last name? Bajorquez. Bajorquez. Okay. Yeah, it's got like a J and a Q in there. Yeah. I just want to make sure. And you don't pronounce either one of them. Nope. <laughs> Fucking Spanish, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yes, he's, he's kind of a uh, mulatto dude with blonde hair, so figure mm-hmm. that one out probably actually spain yeah i've seen weirder yeah hi (laughs) says says the white dude um but yeah that's that's about everything i've got from our game oh uh tyron johnson suffered a concussion uh after his pick six um so he was out for the rest of the game so we had to put saran neal in uh as our big nickel and you could tell the difference you could tell that teron johnson is definitely our starting slot corner gotcha how do you concuss yourself uh was he, it, it it wasn't like directly after the play it was just okay. it was I, was, just, I just pictured in my head like him scoring the touchdown and then just running headfirst into uh, the uprights i was gonna say did you see the one bomb that baker threw into the end zone and the ravens player fucking tagged themselves on the uprights no i missed that yeah there was definitely like i think it was like 46 or something for the ravens baker just chucked it out of the end zone and like the dude was still kind of looking for it for an interception just like like i don't think he caught his head but he like caught his shoulder shoulder. checked it yeah Yeah. and and took himself out so you know it happens (laughs) stranger things have happened stranger things have happened um but yeah, moving on to other games around the league. Is there any particular place you want to start? I got a couple queued up. Uh, I got a I got a couple queued up as well. Um, All right. Well, I've been talking, so you talk for a little bit. 
Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, the uh, Chiefs and Dolphins. Okay. This was a game that I actually watched. Yeah. Um, because I was like, I was like, hey, I bet you the Browns game's on at one o'clock, and then it was like, no, that's the Monday night game, you idiot. Yeah. Whoops. Um. Yeah. So despite. So, uh, first off, the Chiefs played at about, like, a C, okay? And this proves that they really got to play at, like, a D or an F for you to beat them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they gave gave Miami every opportunity in the first half. And, you know, Tua Tunga Vailoa, Offensive Rookie of the Year, like, he, he turned in a solid performance. He had a turnover. It was a bad read, but, like, solid performance. Couldn't get the running game together, but he, he did fine. He did... Everything but put the ball in the end zone himself. Patrick Mahomes literally was trying to gift Miami points, throwing three interceptions for the first time in ever. I think it was literally the first game he's ever thrown (laughs) three interceptions in the same game. He had thrown two interceptions all season, one to Mm -hmm. the Raiders in each game, and then he comes in and gives Miami three. Yep. So as far as his touchdown to interception ratio, it it dropped him from first slash second, constantly trading with Aaron Rodgers, down to like fifth now in one game. Yeah. Um, you know, over total, Kansas City had four turnovers, and they still won by a touchdown. By a touchdown. Tyreek Hill had a rushing touchdown. Patrick Mahomes had two touchdowns. Uh, passing. Uh, fucking, they're kicking field goals. Um, I think they had a field goal. So that was like the total of their scoring was the one field goal in the fourth. Um, but like all the way through that game, all the way up until the second half, or the second or the fourth quarter, like the Chiefs were trying to gift that game to Miami. And it's the Chiefs, the, that whole squad is like... I, I heard an analysis on sports radio this morning. It was either this morning or yesterday morning. Um, not an analysis, a comparison. They're like when Golden State went to the finals three years in a row because they're just better. Yeah. And you really need them to fuck up or somebody critical to be hurt to beat them. Or Patrick Mahomes to not be on his rookie contract. Yeah, like... Just saying, eventually they're going to have to pay that man, and some things are going to change. But for right uh-huh. now, ooh, buddy, are they good. <laughs> yeah, it's... Like like I said at the beginning of the segment, like, they played at a C, and all they proved is you got to catch them at a D or an E to beat them, you yeah. know? Um, uh, or or you got to be playing at A-plus on both sides, because... Right, you know, like, that's how the Raiders pretty much beat them. They were playing at, like, a B-A-ish level, and the Raiders decided to turn in an A-plus performance. Basically, uh, you've got to you've got to Belichick Kansas City and be like, if you're going to give us the ball, we're going to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm, if you're going to turn it over, we're going to punish you as hard as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, one quick note uh, on Miami's defense, though. Uh, do you know that they are tied with the Steelers for uh, most turnovers um, taken? Like they have caused the most turnovers in the league. I They're did tied not for the league that. lead. Did so, not know that. Their secondary is definitely taking the ball away a fair amount, though yeah. giving to giving it to them three times when you're Patrick Mahomes is still a lot. Still a lot, and 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 it's weird. Like 
of four turnovers. I think they only converted once on four turnovers in this game. I I want to say they scored a touchdown and a field goal. And a field goal. Okay. So on two on four turnovers they put 10 points on the board. They yeah, scored that's, twice. That's not enough. <laughs> that's not enough against Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Uh a, a solid defense. But I tell you what, uh especially at the end of the game, uh Kansas City, Miami did not make it easy for the Chiefs. No. Uh I was confident the Chiefs were going to win. I didn't expect it to be like this though. Like because Miami's good, they're solid, but like the Chiefs walk through solid teams, you know. Um, Miami tried to make it close. Uh, it was an entertaining game to watch, and uh, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, rookie of the year. Tua Tagovailoa taking a sack in his end zone for a, for a crematory. Yeah, whatever. That was he took a lot of those. That was maybe the that was maybe the biggest like rookie mistake I had seen the entire time because I they they were pretty backed up to start with, mm-hmm. but he just like he just gave it to him. I mean, yeah. you know it was it was one play that I think backed him up a couple yards. I've actually got it right here. Yeah, it, it was like a one one thing that backed him up a couple yards, and then he backed up like six or seven yards into the end zone and still took a sack. Mm-hmm. And it was like ah throw it at a guy throw it at any guy even an interception arguably better than a safety arguably yes (laughs) but um but yeah that's really uh, all i got on that game miami miami continues to be like weirdly competitive yeah solid and you know they've got uh houston's draft pick right Mm mm-hmm so they're still probably going to be picking a top 10 player next year mm-hmm. to add to this. And they don't have to look. They can use it on something. They can use it on a skill position. Yeah, they can use it on basically whatever they want. Yeah, they, really, whatever they want, exactly. You know, because Tua, Tua's looked solid enough to, you know, have faith in him going into next season. And I'll be perfectly um, honest, with two first-round draft picks, because they've still got their own, and knowing yep. Brian Flores comes out of New England, they might just give that up and just start scooping up picks again. Mm-hmm. take another solid season next year with this roster and then yeah. really clean up in the next draft. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. All right. Uh, so should we, should we jump to the other kid real quick? Just to quickly say he won his game against Matty ice. Uh, and Justin, <laughs> Her- Justin Herbert, the real uh, offensive rookie of the year. I don't know who you're talking about. The hair apparent Lee is not good enough to stay on his head. I don't know. That was the best haircut joke I came up with, and I'm like three weeks late on it. Yeah. So yeah, reaching for that one. Um, I mean, he did okay. About the same as Tua, so I guess they're both equivalent. I think. I think. I think Justin Herbert ends up in a real bad situation where he's got Anthony Lynn as his head coach. Anthony Lynn is defensive to begin with and is mm-hmm. also apparently not the greatest decision maker in the world. Uh, well, yeah, the, the Chargers love blowing big leads, just yeah. like the Falcons do. So, so I'm surprised points were even scored in this game after halftime. I'll be, I'll be really sad to see Brian Dable as the head coach of the Chargers drawing up plays for Justin Herbert next year. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be really sad when Matt Ryan goes to the 49ers next year. You mean uh you mean Aaron Rodgers? No, Matt Ryan of the Eagles. 
going yeah. to play for the 49ers. Matt Ryan of the Falcons. Or of the Falcons. The Birds. The Birds. Going to uh, play for the 49ers because they're going to give up on the Garoppolo experiment. Calling it. Stamp it. But you think it's going to be Matt Ryan with all that money tied to him? Yeah. You don't think it's going to? Well, or it could be Carson He wants to Williams. go play with Kyle Shanahan again. Yeah, he almost won a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan. It's true. It's true. Could be. Um... Saints let's, Eagles. Yeah, I was gonna say let's let's bounce to a rookie quarterback uh, who wins his first start. Wins his first start against arguably the hottest team in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, Second I mean, hottest. I mean, third hottest. No. No. Top four hottest. I mean, statistically, they were the hottest team in the NFL. They haven't lost since week three. <laughs> Did they go zero and three to start? They went one and three to start, or one and two to start. So they've lost. Oh right, duh. This game, the one that they lost. Never mind. Oh. I'm good at I'm good at reading stats. Shut up. Uh. Anyways, <laughs> uh, uh. The Saints picked a bad time to actually start putting points on the board. Why do you say that? Because it was it was too late after halftime. <laughs> <laughs> after the eagles went up 17 nothing at the half um and then just uh got a fourth quarter touchdown to seal it uh Taysom hill solid performance but uh i'm sure hey. Taysom hill Taysom hill's performance was solid enough to where i would not be surprised if they decided to keep him out there until the postseason yeah he's got like quarterback stats this game yeah, and uh, over the past couple of weeks, Taysom Hill has shown that, you know, Sean Payton can trust him to throw the ball. Um, but honest, but obviously the biggest story here is Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts, first rookie to, or the first rookie since Lamar Jackson to have 100 rushing yards in his first start in the NFL, um, quarterback-wise. Uh decent numbers as far as passing the ball but he showed he could spin it and yeah. he pr- and he protected the ball he had a he had a nice deep touchdown pass with some decent touch on it and he protected the ball no turnovers uh, per- the completion percentage wasn't quite there his, um, his stats actually remind me very much of Tua's first game just with the difference being the rushing yards yeah and you know that's really the dynamic Jalen Hurts brings to this Eagles offense is his athleticism He's not, you know, obviously we're not looking at, you know, a physical freak runner at quarterback like Lamar Jackson yet, you know, first start. But he was able to do something for that Eagles offense, especially with them struggling so much at the offensive line position, Mm -hmm. which is stay mobile, either run for it or take the easy throw. Right, you know, but move the pocket, keep keep the pocket moving, so they can't just tee off on you like we saw Carson Wentz do for the past fucking ten weeks, yeah. eleven weeks, um, where the defenses could literally just you know send literally send three or four rushers and immediately put pressure in Carson Wentz's face because Carson Wentz, although athletic, he's still a bigger dude, uh, not the fastest guy on the planet. 
uh, and the moment he the moment he started moving and shaking in the pocket, he would turn you know he would turn into a hero ball, hero ball wince mm-hmm. and just make really really bad judgment calls. Um, that's something that Doug Peterson can keep away from Jalen Hurts because uh, Jalen Hurts is still you know young and groomable, but that remains to be seen as we carry into next week. But Doug Peterson is already confirmed that Jalen Hurts is going to start next week. Yep. Um, and, I mean, why wouldn't they start him at this point? Exactly. Um, they got a win over a really good football team that uh, has been streaking even without their future Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, but So there's going to be some QB controversy because they're still tied to a lot of money in Carson Wentz. Oh, yeah. Um, and they either gotta, they're either gonna bench millions of dollars, or they're gonna try to offload a shit contract th- via the trades. Nobody's gonna pick that up. Like, really, don't think so. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stick. You gotta at least have them on the roster to avoid all that dead cap next year. Um, so who knows? He might get some use, or a desperate team that think he's thinks he's fixable looking for a quarterback there's some teams that are gonna be quarterback shopping next year yeah um so he's gonna have a great he's gonna have a great six or seven years in detroit <laughs> once matt stafford decides to fucking leave mm-hmm. matt stafford needs to leave detroit he's he's given detroit everything and they've refused to build a team around him yep um and now he's hurt again yep because they refuse to build a team around him yep <laughs> one of the most talented quarterbacks to to ever play the game like matt stafford is really really good yeah like not perennially good but he is really really good he's one of those players where it's like oh he must just put up stats in garbage time and it's like well he plays for the lions so all time is garbage time yeah he's just trying to he's just trying to put up points yeah. <laughs> it's not uh, me man <laughs> Yeah, so he needs to get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, but as far as games, that's uh, all I really have. Okay, I was going to just quickly check in and say um, the Seahawks beat the Jets because the Jets are terrible. Yes. Uh, and that was as much as I need to say about that. Yep. Just checking in. Uh, <laughs> Jacksonville might go 1-15 trying to win games and still not get the number one overall pick. Uh huh. Yeah, it was actually one of the things that I wanted to uh, uh, talk about briefly was the the Jets because they still got to um, play the Rams, you and the Patriots. Yep, those don't uh, sound like is, wins. <laughs> it is very likely, very likely, like statistically, that the Jets can be the third team in NFL history to go zero and sixteen. Literally, only. Three years after the last team went 0-16. Yep. <laughs> which was only so many years after the first yeah, team went 0-16. Right, which was only like single digits since the last team that went 0-16, which happened to be the fucking Lions that oh, refused Lions. to build a team around Matt Stafford. It's a circle, okay? It's not a square. It's a circle. Um, yeah, the the Jets got it rough. Like I said, if, uh, if the Browns lose to the Jets, I'll go play in traffic. Yeah. Hopefully that's um, but, not necessary. Yeah, no. Uh, but Adam Gase still needs to be fired. Uh, this is our Adam. This is our Adam Gase watch. Uh, yes, he is still the head coach of the New York Jets for some god awful reason. 
Um, he has pictures of the owner naked or something. He has to. No, it's Peyton Manning. Yeah. It's because of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's keeping Adam Gase's job for him? Yeah, well, I think Adam Gase was like a quarterback coach or some sort of coordinator or something when Peyton first gotten, like, was first getting real hot in the league and Peyton was like, I like that guy. And uh, then now he's got jobs. Yeah, McAfee brings it up every once in a while. That is, gotcha. it's literally Peyton Manning's fault. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably truth to that statement. I'm just saying, um, like, again, Adam Gase is an incredible architect for getting you a top-tier quarterback out of the draft. That you will ruin. Did they ruin two? Yet? Well, I guess uh, two yeah. was afterwards. Two wasn't under Adam Gase. He broke enough of the system that there was. Listen, Rome was already burning. <laughs> like a poor Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence doesn't have a fucking chance in the yeah. NFL. No, because he's going to go to the Jets and they're going to Sam Darnold him. And Sam Darnold's going to be shipped at the end of the season. I'm convinced. Yeah, to where? Because cause somehow Adam New Gase England. is going to convince the ownership that it's not his fault, it's the roster's fault. Just yeah. like it wasn't his fault, it was Greg Williams' fault. Can you imagine Sam Darnold going to New England? That was actually my, that's actually like my spot if he were to go somewhere where like, because he, he is a Bill Belichick quarterback. Yeah, I don't want that because yeah. it works yeah. too well. Yeah, he he he's a strictly pocket passer with just enough athleticism to get you out of some hairy spots. But in traditional football sense, he is that kind of quarterback that Bill Belichick likes. Likes the safe underneath stuff. Likes the in the middle stuff. Likes to lean on a running game and a in a in a opportunistic defense. Yeah, uh, it's exactly what Bill Belichick wants in a quarterback. So that's actually my landing spot for Sam Darnold because I think Cam Newton's going to get shipped after this season as well. Unless uh, unless Belichick thinks that Darnold is so broken from seeing ghosts that he's just like, well, I don't. Uh, yeah, I gave this kid a sixth sense. I don't need him. <laughs> um. You know, me and Greg actually talked about that yesterday, like, because, so, um, you know, because not only is Adam Gase still the coach and Greg Williams isn't the defensive coordinator, Adam Gase was the one that fired Greg Williams. Yeah. And, like, obviously it was as a scapegoat to the ownership to keep his own job. But, like, as owners and, G- but, the, like, the, the, the Jets' hierarchy, the GM and the own- the GM and the head coach are, like, on equal levels as mm-hmm. far as, like, tiers, and they both report directly to the owner. So, like we talked about before, like Greg Williams being fired, but Adam Gase isn't, is saying that Adam Gase is not responsible for his staff's decisions. And it's like, he had a headset on too. He heard the play call. If he thought it was a bad call, he could have said something, you know? He could have said um, something. One of the 11 defensive players who were actually on the field could have said yep. something. Yeah. So uh, for the Jets to go out and play the Seahawks and get absolutely torched fucking 40 to 3 not surprising does not surprise me no but if adam gase still has a job with the jets or has a job in the league in general starting next season uh the nfl is broken and i'm never watching it again he lied he lied especially after how well the browns are playing now he's definitely watching the nfl for at least one more season i gotta see where this goes (laughs) can't leave it now definitely the seventh book will wrap up the way that i need it to <laughs> all right well if that's all we've got i don't really have any news or anything you got any news yeah i got some news speaking of books uh-huh C- cleveland once again cost betters millions of dollars <laughs> 
because of that safety. Right, because, yeah, it just pushed the line just enough. Mm-hmm. So it pushed the line just enough to where they covered. Yeah. And uh, so just after a couple of weeks ago, Nick Chubb purposely running out of bounds, causing the Browns not to cover uh, and costing millions of dollars to betters and bookers. Uh, the same thing happened again in the opposite where they did cover uh, because of a safety. So um, you're welcome. Sports betting stupid. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but yeah, doesn't mean I'm smart when I do it. All right. Anything else? The Ravens are apparently trying to activate Des Bryant again off of the COVID list, even though he's apparently tweeted, I guess I'm just going to hang him up. So I don't know where that contract stands at this point. Well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Des Bryant rolled back on that tweet. Okay. Well, that like he's, he's like, hey, I, you know, I was just kidding, you know. Um, There was but, one pretty funny take I heard on the whole situation because – he tested positive during like warmups or whatever. And it's like, yeah. how the hell do you test positive during warmups? It's like, Oh man, he dropped like the last three balls thrown at him. Fucking go test that motherfucker. <laughs> well, the, the Ravens have the advantage uh, the Ravens. When they do testing, they get their testing back same day. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike the rest of the teams in the league, because the lab that they use is in the same city as them. Mm-hmm. So they, they get, better proximity to the testing so they get same day results for their uh, covid shit um yeah that was pretty funny uh, uh like talk like a whole bunch of people just like talking about like the scuttlebutt of like oh it's fucking uh, false positive or it's all fake and they just don't want des bryant to play and blah, blah blah so like obviously like conspiracy theories abound because that was supposed to be like his you know uh his revenge game to dallas right that he didn't get to play in um but it is what it is. Uh, from from what I understand, he rolled back on that tweet, and if they activate him, I'm sure he'll play. Des Bryant's got a couple more years left in him. Yeah, if he wants them, I'm sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how good he'd be, but I know they're there. Can he go stand in the end zone and jump occasionally? Probably. He'll be all right. Yeah, he'd be good. All right, you said you had a little bit of news? Maybe? Uh, it was No, it was the, the spread thing. Oh, okay. All right. Well, if that's it, then. Yes. Okay. Uh, This has been this week's episode of the 4th and Wrong Podcast for December the 15th, 2020. Uh, Thanks for watching, and say goodbye, Keith. Goodbye, Keith.
I don't know how that's going to look at the end.